This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line founded by the fabulous Jennifer Aniston. Jen got tired of the same old struggle we all face, choosing between hair products that work and ones that are actually good for us. With Lola V, that dilemma is history. We all put our hair through the ringer. That's why it's crucial to have products that not only repair the look of the damage, but also shield your locks from future harm. Enter Lola V's bestsellers, the Glossing Detangler and the Perfecting Leave-In Conditioner. They're your hair's new best friend. For a limited time, you get 15% off your entire order at lolavie.com. Just use the code RAWBEAUTYTALKS at checkout. Lolavie is all about naturally derived plant-based goodness, no silicone, sulfates, parabens, or gluten, and of course, cruelty-free and vegan. That's 15% off your order at lolavie.com with promo code RAWBEAUTYTALKS. You can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Tell them I sent you over. Welcome to Raw Beauty Talks. I'm your host, Erin Trelor. Ready to peer behind the highlight reel and all those polished pictures of the world's biggest influencers and wellness experts? We're going to uncover what beauty, health, and wellness truly means in today's world. As someone who really struggled with disordered eating and negative body image, I became a health coach because I'm passionate about redefining health and wellness so that it's less about the weight on the scale and more about how we feel. Let's pull back the curtain for some raw beauty talks. Hey, Raw Beauty crew, I am back for another episode of Raw Beauty Talks, and I am so thrilled about today's guest. Susie Holman is joining us today. Susie and I actually tried to record this two weeks ago, and it's a bit of a funny story. So I thought we would start off by sharing what happened. Susie, first of all, is like this bright, sunshiny, beautiful, smiling ball of light. So she arrives on Riverside, which is where we record. And I immediately proceed to burst into tears, which all of you know, is like not that out of uh, the norm for me. (laughs) But poor Susie's never met me and is probably like, what is this? (laughs) I'm so sorry. I'm trying to hold it together. But my mom just got diagnosed with cancer. And it's metastasized and we don't know all the details yet, but she's in the hospital. She's going in for surgery, but I also feel like I need a little bit of normal life and I didn't want to cancel on you. And she's like, what, what are you doing here? And then she's like, well, actually I have COVID right now. (laughs) But what are we both doing here? No, we're not recording this right now. And you were so gracious. And also we're just like, you know, we can't push this. Like this is not the time to record this episode. And then we had a chat. Turns out Susie was an oncology nurse for almost a decade. Is that correct? Yeah, six years. So I want to talk a little bit about that experience for you. But we, you know, it was one of those serendipitous moments. And I I don't believe in coincidences, but to arrive on the show. And I had no idea that she worked as an oncology nurse to have a little chat with her. And then she said, you know what, I can't wait to do this in a couple of weeks when they've pieced these puzzle pieces together and realized it's not actually cancer. And you'll be 
okay and your mom will be okay and I will be through COVID hopefully. <laughs> so here we are <laughs> later. And sure enough, by like some sort of miracle, my mom does not have cancer. Oh, so thank you yes. for speaking that out into the universe because every doctor we spoke to, including the head of BC Cancer, was like, you know, this is cancer that's metastasized to the omentum, which is a body part I didn't even know that we had. So it's an incredibly stressful time, but mm. it turns out we still don't know what it is. But it's not cancer. Oh, hallelujah. And your mom's home and she's doing well. She's home. All of her markers are slowly going down. She's just resting right now. You know, it was really scary. They had to drain over a liter of fluid from her abdomen. And so there's still question marks. But my mom is in, yeah. if you've ever met her, she's incredibly healthy. And so we're hoping it's just some random one-off thing, some sort of infection. And I mean, there's still unknowns, but I feel oh. way more settled than last <laughs> Oh, I'm so glad. I loved when we showed up to that. It's like we both knew in our heart of hearts, like this wasn't what we should be doing today, but we also didn't think of ourselves. We're like, I got it, but I can't, don't want to cancel on her. But like, that's not good, right? Like we have to be selfish. We have to be selfish with our energy and respectful and honor what we're going through, honor our bodies, honor our emotions. Like the masculine way is the way to just like force it through. Like, no, I said I would be there, so I'm going to be there. The feminine way is to lean into our flow and our motion and our cycles and our ups and our downs. And I was glad that we were able to have that conversation. We're like, we're going to just do this when it, when it's right, when it's in flow. And here we are. Yes. It's challenging sometimes to be in the feminine and to feel like you're letting somebody down or you're not showing up. I remember saying to you, I just listened to a podcast episode and the host of the podcast was talking about going through this really difficult time in her life, but how she still showed up to do this launch that she was doing and pushed through. And I was like, okay, I can do that. I can, I can show up for the business. And, you know, I've got to sometimes learn to put my emotions aside. And when I've got anxiety, like I've got to still just show up. And uh, you were like, no, let's not. Let's not push that way. <laughs> no. I know it's confusing because basically the majority of business advice, luckily it's changing in the last decade, but forever has just been literally advice from the masculine that women try to adopt into the way that they do business. And it does not work for us. We are not built like men. We are not built. We do not have that masculine energy. We really do go up and down and highs and flows and our energy rises and falls. And so that doesn't really apply to us. And when we try to let, make that that like hustle, push, 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 regardless fit for us, it literally can make us sick. It's not as productive as if we were actually honoring our energy and even our cycles. Like honoring my menstrual cycle is a big thing for me because I can be way more productive when I'm honoring that versus when I'm just like trying to push I saw this cool chart on Instagram that was like all these graphs and it was like one was at 100 and then one was at 2% and then one was 5%, one was 30%. And it was like, it's normal to not have 100% every day. Yes. And for some reason, it just like blew my mind. I was like, oh, duh. Of course, that's not normal to be 100% every day. And 100% in all the areas that we're trying to show up in and that we have expectations around. Like I'm going to be a hundred percent, the best friend, the best wife, the best mom, the best at business, the best. And it just, I mean, it can run you ragged has done it to me several times, but we're, we're trying to find a new pattern over here and a new way. Of <laughs> but it's, it's easier said than done. It really is rewriting totally. cultural norms 
and a way that society has been operating for so long, which is push, 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 sit at your desk from nine to five. And actually, let's be honest, it's a lot longer than nine to five now and pump out content, more content, more content, more content, show up, be available all the time. And we're burning out. And I think a lot of Mm -hmm. women are and men are starting to say like, no, this isn't the way I want to live my life. Totally. I hope that the pendulum swings back in a more healthy way for all of us. But we get to decide, right? We get to decide if we let that actually swing back in our life. Yes, exactly. So Susie, if you haven't met her, is an incredible entrepreneur, a mother of four, a wife. She has a podcast herself and is just such a beacon of light to remind women of these important things that you can have a family and you can have a career, but it might look different than what we typically see out there. And I think what really stands out for me is that you are so incredible leaning into these little glimmers of a dream that you have. I mean, I'm going to let you tell the audience what you're creating over there right now, but you seem so in touch with your intuition and your ideas and your dreams. And then even though I know in moments it's scary going after those or you question things, you lean right in. And so on today's episode and in today's conversation, I want to talk a little bit about tapping into intuition, trusting yourself, building confidence. I want to talk about how you integrate wellness, self-care into your life. Like really, what does that look like when you're building multi-million dollar businesses with four kids and creating a whole nother business on the side? So we're going to dive into tons of things with Susie right now. But before we get started, I'd love for you to just take me back to those years when you were working as an oncology nurse, completely different lane. And tell me a bit about the journey to where you are now. Yes. Well, I loved being an oncology nurse. Oh my goodness. Those were some of the most gratifying years of my life, being able to walk with people through the hardest time of their life. And I'm grateful that some of the medicine I have been given in my life is joy. And I just came that way, kind of, just kind of came oozing out of me. And I got to not only administer like Western medicine, like actual chemotherapy people, but that was my first real awareness of I have medicine too. And that my medicine is what I can do when I walk into the room. My medicine is what I can do, what how I can make people feel. And that was really when I first started to become aware of that and to play with that and to play with how I could help people in that way. It was so gratifying. It was also so hard. I worked on the bone marrow transplant unit and about one out of every four patients died. And you would be with these people for months on end and they would become friends and you'd see them. You were living like as much time with them as you were your family at home and and they would pass away. And so I really got this awareness for what life, like the fragility of life and the gift of life that really changed my perspective really quickly. I became a nurse when I was 19. So I was like a little baby infant child going into like, whoa, what is this? So I feel like I got to grow up really fast in going through that experience, but it really birthed a entire different lens that I see life now through now. I loved those times, but I then started having children. And I think I'm just a was I could not, the 12-hour night shifts, being able to, my husband was in dental school, so he was gone all of the time. 
And me, I had one baby and then I had another baby and I just couldn't keep up with the night shifts and the kids at home. And I was like, there's got to be something else here. I don't know if I can keep doing this. So I went and then became a triage nurse. So I was a nurse on the phone. And then along the way, I started this cute little photography side hustle that was really fun. And I picked it up and then people started asking me to take their photos and then more people. And I was like, wait, this is fun. This is really fun. I didn't even realize I had this creative side in me. And then I started tapping into it. And then that was my first ever business, a photography business. And then I just caught the itch. Like photography was cool, but I was like, whoa, what's even cooler is like the marketing side, the business side. How do we get more clients? How do we increase the average order value? I became addicted to that. And then since then, I've had multiple businesses and still do have multiple businesses until I'm at where I am today. But that's how it kind of all started. Wow. So, okay, take me back to the oncology ward for a second, because I'm fascinated as an empath and somebody who absorbs so much from the people around me. How did that Mm. experience, especially when you're 19, 20, 21, how did that not harden you? Like, how were you able to hold it together, essentially? I was so blessed and fortunate to work with an incredible team of doctors and nurses who I was 19 watching like friends die repeatedly. And I wasn't like totally okay. I wasn't hardened, but I wasn't okay. I was like, this is really tragic and difficult. And those people really rallied around me, teaching me ways to get through it. We would go to the funerals together. And that community was really, was like, oh, you're right. I actually can't get through this much death by myself. But with this incredible community around me, who we all are choosing into this being how we're serving the world, like linking arms, I felt that strength that I did not have by myself. And that community was everything for me. Little pieces that the doctors would say when it would get so hard. I remember this woman, PA, her name was Vicky, and she was like, Susie, I know this is so unimaginable right now. A patient had just died that was only five years older than me. And I was sitting with his wife, so we became really close. And I was like, I can't go on, and I have another patient I need to go take care of. He just passed away. She was like, I know this is so hard, but you need to think of them in five years. You need to think of that woman in there in five years. She is going to be okay. Her children are going to be okay. And like she really walked me through this whole meditation that I was able to go out into the future and kind of sit in that and it helped me be able to go on. And sometimes and my best friend's husband died and sometimes I've had to go that when it gets really dark and scary and hard and sad and I'm like, I think I'll die under this weight. I go to that same like, okay, imagine Kim in five years. Mm. It's going to be okay in five years. <laughs> and that like little things like that from the community that really helped me through. I mean, everyone who's listening right now, you've heard me talk about mental rehearsals and imagining a future version of yourself who's living out a desired outcome and really allowing yourself to embody that. I've never heard about using that tactic or tool to imagine someone else and holding space for someone else who's going through a really difficult time that you might feel compassion or empathy for. And as we're experiencing so much as a global community right now, I think this could be a really interesting meditation for people to do where you're holding space for the communities and for the people right now who are really struggling and suffering. And while it's hard to imagine that they will be okay, remembering the resilience of human beings and remembering our incredible capacity for healing and love and repair and all of the things. I love that. It's such a powerful tool. 
So you're here today. What does here look like? I mean, you've done a complete renovation of your living room in your home, which I have got to let you explain to everybody because I was watching this all unfold. Damn, this girl's fun. Here is such a party. Here is such a party for us right now. It is so wild. So I have four kids, ages 11, 9, 6, and 4. And so that in itself is a party. We moved to Arizona. We renovated this house. And I just decided to go full out Susie. I have disco balls hanging in my living room. Everything is like bright and pink and fun and wacky and weird. And it makes no sense when you walk in, someone else is like, what is this wacky house I just walked into? But it feels so good. It feels so like me. It feels like this ultimate expression of myself that I can live in and my children can swim in the frequency of their wild, fun mom. And that's where my physical body is and my business is. I have this 18-foot LED wall, like the biggest, like a mega church wall, but a little bit bigger in my living room to deliver live events from because there's nothing I love more. Talk about like living in my creative expression than when there's people on the other side and I get to present something that I'm super passionate about, something that I know is going to change their lives. Right now, I'm focused on helping women grow their paid traffic funnel so they don't have to live so much on Instagram so that they can take a step back because hello, burnout. Hello. We cannot keep up with the robots. The amount of content creation required right now is insane. So I'm super excited about that program. But one of my favorite things to do is just come up with offers that I know will help people. And so that's what I do for my business. I come up with, for female business owners, offers along their entrepreneurial path that are going to help them help them. And that's what I do. And you're so incredible at it. We we just got to back the train up here for a second because you just, <laughs> that you basically have this Megatron screen in your living room. And I'm like, what does that conversation look like when you sit down with your husband, who's a dentist? I think he's retired now, but you sit down with him and you're like, I have this idea. I want to take our living room and put a massive screen in it. Nobody else has done this as far as I'm concerned. Like this is great, Susie. Have you seen this somewhere before? Well, so uh, the way back. So remember COVID, Tony Robbins does this big event. Yes. He does live events, and then he couldn't. And so we all saw like the screen and there was like tons of people on it. Yes. And he was talking to this big screen and I was immediately like, I want to do that. Like, I want to do that. I've been hosting retreats for years and like being in the room with people is incredible, but you can only get at least at a retreat, like 20 people. I was like, wait, I want like 200, maybe 2000 people. I think I need that. So I literally get on my computer, just following the the intuitive pings, like following the enthusiasm, following the excitement until it runs out. Like, I'll just follow that trail wherever it goes. And so I like Google literally the words like, where did Tony Robbins get that screen? And I literally find the company there in Canada. And I'm like, I'm going to reach out to them. I'm going to see how much it costs. They're like, you're like, they're like, what do you do? Cute Susie influencer. <laughs> we make these for Tony Robbins. I'm like, yeah, but I think you could probably adapt it. I don't need it that quite so big. They're like, okay, let's talk. So we kind of start talking and I'm like, I think I need this. How much is the screen? You got to tell us. It's a million dollar studio. <laughs> it's not just a screen. There's like 4K cameras and these Zoom nodes and there's these lighting equipment things. It's so aggressive. It's absolutely She's built comical. an entire stage in her living room. It's so epic. You could literally film The Mandalorian. Everyone else in your field goes to a studio in Cleveland <laughs> or somewhere. I can't remember where they're going, but... Yes. There's a studio that has built this out that you can rent for book launches and course launches. 
No, Susie's like, I'm going to build this in my living room because I've got four kids. Like you can't be going and flying to do these things all the totally. time. Okay. Plus it was $55,000 to rent per day, like what other ones you're seeing. And I'm like, 55 grand? But I was like, wait, if I need this, I know that other business owners need this that don't want to spend 55000 a day. And I really do think that this is like a whole new way of, I love like cutting edge, innovative stuff. And so, yeah, I just decided to get it on my own, not even really knowing exactly what was going to come next, not actually even knowing it was going to go in my living room, just following the breadcrumbs, not even, you know, the smart thing is, is that you see this big vision and then you like work your way backwards and you know financially how it's all going to work out, which isn't totally how I work, <laughs> which unfortunately for my husband, my family, and my partners, my everyone is like, if you could just tell us what we're doing here. I'm like, I don't know, but I'll know when I know. And how I've been able to grow into that muscle of I'll know when I'll know is because those breadcrumbs have never led me wrong. And it's just like like a car, headlights on a car. You can get the headlights, like just be your headlights. You can go from California to New York. You don't have to see everything. You don't have to see that far out. You just need the headlights. And how my inspiration and intuition always works is I never going to see very far beyond headlights. But I trust like where what I can see and trust that it's going to take me on a magical journey. And that's what I lean into is just the headlights. So I got the headlights of the screen. Then I got the headlights of this is going to be for other people. Then I got the headlights of put this in your home for a while so you can experiment and learn what this thing is. And now it's like the next headlight is, okay, awesome. We're ready. It's going to move out of the house to a studio where other people can rent it. So it's just headlights, next, 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 next. I love that so much. And so if you're listening right now and there's something, there's some sort of intuitive hit that you are having, which can sound like a little whisper. It can sound like, I'm not super happy in my job right now, or I'm not pumped about this cycle that I'm living in. Like I'm watching TV every night and... I don't know. It's, I just, it's not it. I'm not there yet. Whatever it is, it can feel challenging to take that first step. What would you say, like when you, you're nursing and you're like, oh, I'm going to pick up a camera here. It's taking you time to trust that intuitive muscle, to trust that you can just follow the headlight and take that next step. So what did that look like the first time that you followed that? Yeah, that's such a good question. For me, I always follow that enthusiasm. Like that, like, ooh, that looks kind of fun and sparkly. All of a sudden, you're like following this girl on Instagram and you're like 20 stories deep in her thing and you're like, what is she doing? I don't know why. I'm just kind of like drawn into this. Follow that. Like there's something happening here that's making you light up a little bit inside. So I followed this girl I just knew this girl actually. And I was like, followed her website. And back at the time it was blogs. It was blogs. So I was like, whoa, okay. Her pictures are so cool. And I just followed that little desire and excitement to where that led me. But then I should have quit being a nurse probably quicker than I did. But I sat in this, like in my bed, I remember telling my husband, I am not starting this photography business. This is so embarrassing putting myself out there. Who do I think I am? Like, I'm so embarrassed to say that I am a photographer felt like I couldn't do it. So I'm like, I just take pictures of my friends and their kids. And I didn't, I couldn't claim it. Mm -hmm. I was like, 
too embarrassed. And I sat in this state of should I or shouldn't I start the business for way longer than I should have. Because guess what? That misery of sitting in that moment of like staring at the edge, like on the edge of a cliff, just like, should I jump? Should I jump? Should I not? Should I go? That was the most miserable part. Once I just finally started it, it was like, oh, off to the races. This is fun. The misery came in just should I or shouldn't I fear that I think the faster you move through that, like the better because insight comes through action. So the quicker we can just get to the action part, we get to, you know, delete all that suffering drama that we're doing to ourselves and move through it quicker. I think we start to move through it quicker as well, the more that we do it. And the more we build that muscle of trust and connection with intuition, and we know that it isn't leading us astray, then it becomes easier to trust ourselves and to live in alignment. Mm -hmm. One of the things that you talk about a lot that I find really fascinating is building an abundance mindset, moving out of a scarcity Mm -hmm. mindset and leaning into trust, which is really aligned with what we're talking about right now, trusting your intuition, trusting that everything will work out as it's supposed to. Why is this important to you? Mm. I think because there's been periods of my business, my life, where I have felt that fear and scarcity and oceans, oh, everything's hitting the fan. I'm going to lose everything. What have I done? That deep spiral is so painful. Esther Hicks says, the only time a downward spiral is possible is when we start to focus on the lack. And I've seen that happen in my own life of when you start focusing on what's not there instead of what is, you spiral faster and faster and faster, and it can get out of control really quick. But it's say like you look at your bank account, right? And you're like, oh my gosh, the balance is only X, Y, Z. And you're like, and I see it's going down and I have this payment coming out. When you focus on that, it feels crappy. But when you focus on the exact same bank account, you're like, I can't believe, picture little eight-year-old me telling her I have this much money in the bank. And you focus on what is there, then your vibration raises. And when your vibration raises, you're more clear. Your frequency is more clear. You can hear yourself. That intuition comes in stronger and clearer. And it's a little tiny game of shifting your focus instead of the lack, what is not there, to the awesomeness of what is there again and again and again. And that little shift applies to anything. It applies to like your kids are being crappy. And you're like, I'm just so focused on this one child who's like always just being so ornery or focus on the parts of the time when he's being really incredibly, beautifully, a wonderful brother. And like you get to pick where you put that energy, but that same little techniques of what you're looking for are such a direct impact to the joy that you're experiencing in your life. That abundance mindset, we I often hear money and it's abundance and people just think money, but it's an abundance of joy. It's abundance of peace. It's abundance of sunshine. Like abundance is everywhere if we look for it. But usually we don't. Like our thoughts are going to take the path of least resistance to like the crappy. Like that's the, they, we've worn this road out really well of like, look on the negative side, look at all the things that could go wrong. So that's where our, our thoughts naturally go. And we have to do something to create a new path and just thought by thought into the abundance of whatever is in front of you. I love that analogy of opening the door and beginning to spiral downward when we're looking at things through that lens of lack. My tendency, especially when it comes to money, 
is to look at it through a lens of lack. And Mm. I have had the most insane anxiety because of that in the past. I've spent the last two years really working on my mindset. It takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. It's like deciding that you want to change your body shape or you want to start gaining muscle or you want to learn a new skill. It takes time and practice and it's not going to go perfectly. So as you were shifting, were there any practices or anything that kind of like rituals or meditations that supported you in changing those neural pathways and shifting out of that rut of scarcity and into a more abundant mindset? That's such a good question. I think the first step was like an awareness of when I was spiraling. That's the first, like you just are like, why am I in such a bad mood? Or why am I so anxious? And why am I so nervous? And we don't actually take the time to like, what is the root of what's going on? Yeah, it may be manifested in the fact that I'm yelling at my kid, but really what's going on is I'm terrified about money right now. And so digging into what is actually causing it is the first step that I I try to take when I'm, you know, in a feeling all sorts of ways. And then reaching into my toolkit, which I've developed over the last, you know, lifetime of years. We all have our own toolkits for mine. Meditation is it for me. And not like I'm going to go sit for 30 minutes. It is quite literally go sit outside and breathe for five minutes. I probably do this seven times a day like a quick nervous system reset. Like I have four kids. Like I only got five minutes at a time, okay? So I run outside and I sit and I close my eyes and I breathe or I listen to the birds or I try to do a nervous system reset to really get me into a better feeling place. I I have ADHD. So my brain is always like bong, 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 all over the place. So that little quick exercise works for me really well. Like focusing on the birds for focusing on something I can hear helps kind of like keep my thoughts a little bit more in line. So that's one practice that's been game changing for when I, I spiral. And it's not like a huge do once. It's like do it seven times a day. Prayer is a big one for me. I have a great relationship. I believe with God that really I can center into that I go back and back and back and back to. That's always brings me really quick peace. But that's even evolved greatly as I left my childhood religion and found God. And we earn our toolkits. And just like before, when we follow the breadcrumbs of like what's lighting you up, your toolkit, there's like breadcrumbs for tools that are going to work for you, probably in this podcast, on the girl you find, in that one conversation you had with a lady at the grocery store, your toolkit will be revealed to you if you're looking for it. And it's going to look different for you than it does for anyone else. Oh, I love that. I love the idea that we earn our toolkit. And that is 100% the case for me and my toolkit. When we're talking about toolkits, you're like, what are they talking about? It's your well of resources that help you in difficult times or even in joyful times to stay regulated, to stay grounded, to stay connected to intuition, to support you through anxiety, depression, low moments, challenging conversations. So your toolkit could look like meditation, therapy, cold plunging, maybe cooking a beautiful meal, watching a TV show for some people. You know, when my anxiety is really high and I need to just veg. Same. That's a really underrated tool in the toolkit is like watch them some shows legitimately. Yes. I love you called that one out. Yes. Let's go. Beautiful. So one thing that I've noticed as well is that when I start to enter that spiral space, so let's just focus in here on the financial side of things, which I know can feel really Mm -hmm. stressful to people. 
it's one of our top five stresses in life. Once I start down that spiral, my nervous system clicks in and I move into fight, flight, freeze. When you are in fight, flight, freeze or the sympathetic nervous response, your mind is so hardwired to be in survival mode that you're not able to actually see or connect with all the possibilities that are available to you. And if you are an entrepreneur or you are a mother or you are in a relationship or you are you're moving ahead in your corporate career, whatever it is, we all have to be agile and resourceful. We have to see all the possibilities that are available to us. If we don't see possibilities and we don't see hope and we don't see options, life starts to feel really scary and we feel stuck. It's so important to remember when to get into that mindset to regulate the system and to move yourself back into that space of rest digest so that you can start to see all the options available to you. So you might be like, I have $5 in my bank account, which let me tell you in the last five years, I've had some of those moments and it feels really terrifying. And totally. Yet, so you might not be able to realistically say like, yay, I have $5 in my account. But if we can move back to a regulated state, we can say, wow, I have that contact. Oh, I have this course I haven't talked about, or I have this option over here, or I could get a job there. Like there's endless possibilities or ways that we can move ourselves forward. But when we're in fight, flight, freeze, we can't see them. And then everything becomes a lot more scary. And sometimes, yeah, like you said, like being like going to like, oh, I'm so grateful. Money flows easily to me is not a realistic thought. And if you tell, try to tell yourself that, you're, you're like, mm, I don't really believe you and your body, your mind knows. There is an incredible tool, the emotional scale. Abraham and Esther Hicks have this emotional scale where every emotion has a vibration. Shame being the lowest vibration. Then we move up the ladder to fear is a little bit even higher than shame. Then there's anger and then resentment, contentment, hopefulness, things like this. All There's 22 emotions all the way up this ladder, up this scale. Even with your money, if you are in a place of shame, even if you get your vibration to a place of anger, that's higher. There's more options for you when you're in anger about your money than when you are in shame about your money. Wow. There's even more options when you are in resentfulness about your money than when you are in shame about your money. So you don't have to reach for these like far-fetched thoughts that don't aren't true to you, but something that feels a little better than the story that you're telling yourself. Say about the $5 in your bank account, you're saying like, I'm such an idiot. I can't believe I got us here. This is so embarrassing. I am mortified. I just feel horrible shame about what I've done. Literally get yourself to mad at yourself. I, I'm pissed that I did this. That feels better. Isn't that wild? But like that's how you start to see more possibilities is just reach for the next best feeling thought. It doesn't have to be joy and stoked and out of your mind, pumped for five bucks, but it just got to feel a little bit better than the really dark story you're telling yourself. I love that. And I feel like that's so true for very, like for many, many things. Even when we talk about the way that we feel about our body or aging or these other things, it's like the shame that women feel about the way that we look or about our body or about our body part is the lowest vibration that we can be existing from. That's so powerful. And then even just shift totally. that place where you're angry, where you're angry at the societal norms, where you're angry at the fact that we've been taught to fear aging, we've been taught not to like ourselves, that we've been taught all of these things is more empowering than living and existing in that. Isn't that cool? Yeah. 
Okay. So on that note, I would love to know as a mama for entrepreneur, uh, following the breadcrumbs of your intuition, where does wellness fit into this for you? What does that look like? Mm. I love how everyone's journey is so different. Wellness for me, literally used to when I had four young babies at home, wellness literally for me meant taking a 15-minute drive every day to get a McDonald's Diet Coke. Mm. And that might be like the opposite of what people think of wellness, but that was my mental wellness moment that I could look forward to every day, that I could like have this moment in the car with a podcast and kids in car seats and this nice sip of Diet Coke. And now as I'm less in survival mode, I'm like, okay, Diet Coke is not wellness anymore, sister. Like wellness to me is rituals. It is the water that I drink. Wellness is the times I go to bed. Wellness for me means not spending a second more of time on social media than I have to. Wellness for me means putting my phone, not sleeping with it in the room. Wellness for me means walking outside in nature and little tiny baby rituals. I don't work out. That's not like a wellness ritual that feels really good for me. I feel like my mind is always going. My mind is just absolutely insane. Uh, so getting into my body in other ways and working out like sex is wellness for me. Yes. The other ways of getting into my body and letting, allowing myself to be like my wellness journey, it doesn't have to fit these rules or look like anybody else's, but it just has to feel good to you. And these are the tools. This is what feels good to me and not comparing it. Cause what, what do we do when we compare? We go into shame about even our wellness, how we can go into shame about that when we compare. So that's what it kind of looks like for me. Something that you said there is so profound, so simple and so profound, which is wellness is what feels good to me. And that is going to be individual. It's going to shift and change in many different seasons of your life. And so again, the invitation for everyone who's listening is to think about what would feel good for you right now. What would feel most supportive? Is it a walk outside? Do you need a night where you just chill and watch a show, sip a tea? Sometimes wellness is getting the green juice, the $8 freaking green juice from wherever. And sometimes it's the sip of Diet Coke. And totally can't put wellness in a box because we're all so different and individual and at different stages of our life right now. So taking a moment taking a breath and asking yourself that question, what would feel good to me right now? What do you need most in this moment? Checking in. Noticing whatever bubbles up and then carrying that with you. So Susie, what does raw beauty My company's called Raw Beauty Co. What does raw beauty mean to you? Mm. Raw beauty to me means an inside thing. That is an inside thing. Beauty is an inside thing to me. And raw to me means authentic and real. Mm. And when I meet someone who is their authentic self, that person walks in the room and people are like, whoa, what was that? doesn't matter what they look like. They can just feel this from them this like person who isn't looking for others for validation, it's all coming already from inside of them. That is what raw beauty means to me. Love that. What are you working on right now? What's coming down the line? Where can people find us, find you? Give us all the goods. 
Yes. Well, Susie Holman on Instagram, hanging out with us on my podcast, Your Business Will Heal You. And if you have the need for hosting any big live events, as you heard, my giant Megatron megachurch is moving. I live in Phoenix. So helping people host these live events where they can sell their high ticket stuff is just such a fun, high energy way. It's what all the big players in the coaching space are using. Obviously, every single person we can think of does an an event where they sell high ticket. And I'm like, more of the just normal average small business owner needs to be adopting this business model, especially those with children, because we don't have time to be like selling every day, coming up with a billion new offers. So doing it in this big, high-powered way is something I'm super excited to be doing and looking forward to next year. So that's what I'm up to. I can't wait to come to Phoenix to hang out and to be in front of that big Megatron screen. I'm so excited. I cannot Yes. So good. Okay, your very last question for today. If you could send an email that was going to land in the inbox of every woman in the world with one final message from Susie Holman, what would it be? Wow. (laughs) That is a really big question. Every email box of every woman in the world. Yes. Wow. Really? Yes. That one requires more than five seconds of thought. (laughs) That's like a whole meditate on that message that you're going to send people. Okay, 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 okay. What would I say? What would I say? What would I say? But I would tell them that they each have an individual medicine that only they carry that people need that they are loved, that they need to go spread their medicine to those who need it, and they'll be supported in their journey of doing that. They are loved, cherished, and they're enough. Beautiful. So think about what is your medicine? What is your medicine and how can you spread that around? And how can you keep it strong? How can you keep your medicine strong? And that is through your wellness journey, Mm. protecting that medicine, protecting yourself, protecting your energy, protecting your wellness. They go hand in hand. Mm. Love it so much. Think about what your medicine is. Think about how you keep it strong. Keep that light inside you bright and strong and able to warm up yourself and those around you and then get out there and do that. Thank you so much for joining us, Susie, and to everyone who listened. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to take a screenshot, share it on your social tag, Susie and I. I will make sure that we've got a link to her website, her Instagram, all the good stuff down in our show notes. Love you for listening, and I will see you next week. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this week's episode. Please take a moment to rate, review, or follow on your favorite podcast app, and share this episode with someone that you think could benefit. Join the Raw Beauty Talks community at Raw Beauty Talks. And remember, it's your story, your body, your mind, and your journey. So think about what resonates with you and leave the rest behind. I'll see you next week.